Come on, y'all gonna have to be a little bit more lively than that. I know we lost an hour of sleep, but just saying. I had two toddlers at my house this weekend, so it's not a competition, but you can't be more tired than me right now, all right? And so um, I'm excited that you are here. We believe that God is going to speak to you today. Before I say anything else, come on, don't you love our pastors here at the house, Pastor Stephen and Katie? I know that my life, uh, my my family, my marriage, my parenting, um, everything about my life would look so much different if you guys hadn't in, invested in me and made sacrifices that I I know about and the ones that I don't know about. So come on, can y'all join me in just showing some honor to our pastors? Well, if we haven't gotten a chance to meet yet, my name is Devin and I get to serve on staff here at the house. I'm one of the pastors here. That's my first time saying it at second service. All right. So your first service got to hear it first, but you slipped in because of time change. So you, you know what I'm saying? You get to hear it the second time. Shameless plug real quick before I get into the message. We have the Be The One conference this weekend. Come on. Listen, let me tell you, before I became a part of Be The One, come on, I was a teenager, I was complacent, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life, I had no idea that God wanted to use me, but it was moments with Be The One in services, on local trips, during conferences where God began to download, like he has a call on my life, and so if you are a young person, or if you know a young person, and you're like, listen, they are a little lazy, they are a little complacent, come on, you want to send them here this weekend, if you're like, hey, I, we can't afford it right now, please talk to me or find Alexis Hood if you know her and, and tell us, hey, we want to come, we can't afford it, and we will find a way for you to be here. But this weekend, uh, we Friday and Saturday, and then Sunday morning, we're going to have like a be the one moment in service. We would love it if you came. We want to we want to love on you, invest in you. And so um, come on, one more time. Let's make some noise for the Be The One Conference. Let's go. Well, I'm excited because we are starting a brand new series today called Invited, Invited. Come on, there is something special about being invited. Come on, you don't you love when someone invites you into the conversation? Come on, some of you, you know, you, you're the type of person where you just invite yourself into the conversation. I'm not talking to you right now, okay? I'm talking to all the people in the room with a little bit of, you know what I'm saying, social etiquette that they know, hey, you have to be invited in to the conversation. You, lo I love when I get invites in the mail. And I'm a be honest, okay? I'm just going to bear my soul to you. Even if you know I can't make it, like if you planned a birthday party at 11.15 on a Sunday, you know I can't make that. I work here, okay? Uh, still invite me, all right? Let me tell you no. Send me the Google Calendar. Like, I still want to feel like I was thought about. I still want to feel like I was prepared for. And inside of all of us is this desire to be wanted. And when people invite you in, come on, you feel wanted. And I, and I have a thought for us today, and it's that if the people of God, it's, it's that the people of God should be the most inviting people that exist. And the house of God should be the most inviting place that exists. Like we should be more inviting than anything else in the world. And if you don't believe me, you can, you can take Jesus' words for uh, John chapter 14, verse two to three. This is what he says to his disciples. He says, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. So if you are a believer in this room, come on, Jesus right now is making room for you. Come on, he's making preparations for you. And if God is doing that 
for us, then we should turn and begin to invite people in to all that God has for them because we know they may be searching for peace and a lot of different things, but Jesus is the only one that brings it. They may be searching for hope in all types of outlets, but we know that Jesus is the only one that brings it. And so we should go out from here and go and invite people in to all that God has for them. Come on, do y'all, do y'all believe that? Come on. All right. So y'all ready to jump into the word? You can turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 14. We're going to read verse 15 through 23. Come on. This is eight verses. So if we don't do nothing else today, I'm catching you up on your Bible reading plan. Okay. Some of y'all ain't read the Bible all week and this is going to make up for that. All right. Um, Verse 15. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Of God. So I want to give you a little backstory. Jesus is at a feast. He's hanging out. And just like Jesus does, come on, it's just like Jesus to be at someone else's home and begin to give them dinner party rules. Okay. So he, start, he starts talking and he says, Hey, when someone invites you over to their house, don't take the seat of honor. Okay, don't walk in and take the best seat. I need to talk to every young man or young lady in the room. Come on, when, when you get ready to hop in the car with two grown adults, don't talk about shotgun and try to hop in the front. Okay, get your behind in the back. All right, just get in the back. And Jesus is saying that it would be better for you to sit in a low place and someone come to you and say, hey, go ahead and move up. Then it would be for you to think you high and mighty, sit in the highest seat and then have to say, hey, bro, I need you. I need you to sit down. All right. And then Jesus starts to talk to the host and he says, hey, when you throw parties, when you have feasts at your home, don't just invite your family and your friends and invite people who can do stuff, who can repay you, but begin to invite the lame and the blind and the beggars because they can't repay you at all. And if you are the type of person who will invite these type of people into your home, then God will invite you into his feast. And so when this guy hears it, he's like, come on, blessed is the one who will eat at this And then Jesus replies in verse 16 and he says, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Can I tell you that this is a lame excuse? Come on, you do not buy land. You don't buy a house without going and looking at it, okay? Unless you got that type of money. Like, I'm not there yet. If anything, I'm on Zillow, like at midnight, scrolling through houses that I'm going to never buy, okay? But I'm for sure not going to buy land. I'm not going to buy property that I have never seen. This is a lame excuse. Verse 19, another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out please excuse me. Another lame excuse. This is a lame excuse. Let me just make it, you know what I'm saying, 2023. I'm not going to buy a car that I've never test driven. Like I I, I ain't been to the lot. I just sent them a check in the mail and I was like, yeah, well send me the car. No, I'm, I'm not at that place financially yet. Okay. I can't just be out here buying cars that I don't know if they work. This is like you inviting me over to your house and I'm like, no, actually I can't be there right now because I have to test drive my new car. You would be like, bro, just tell me you don't want to come. Verse 20, still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Now this one, all right, pretty solid excuse, all right? Everybody who's married, you know what I'm I'm talking about, all right? This is what it says. The servant came back and reported this to his master. 
Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. Come on. It's God's will that his house would be full. It's God's will that his house would be full. He, 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 he wants those who are broken. He wants those who have been ashamed. He's, he wants those who are lame. He wants those who are blind. He wants, it's his will that, that every seat in his house would be filled. Come on, do you agree with that? Well, well let's pray and let's get into what God has for us today. God, we thank you that you're going to speak to us in this service. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move me to the side and that you would speak specifically what each person in this room's room needs. God, I pray that we would leave this service different than we came in. God, we love you and we honor you. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Well, my, my assignment today is hello, my name is. Come on, why don't you look at your neighbor and say hello. Okay, come on. I, I was talking to everybody. Okay. <laughs> hello. <laughs> My name is Slim Shady. No, I'm just, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Some of y'all super saved and you was like, hello, my name is child of the one. Come on. I know you be on K-Love. Okay. There's only two types of people in the room. K-Love or just, you know what I'm saying? Eminem. Uh, but today I want to talk to us about this. Uh, before we can invite people in, uh, we have to make an introduction. Before we can invite people in, we have to make an introduction. Jesus is, is sharing this story, and, and obviously in the story, the master of the house is God, and he's, he's wanting people to come in, and, and the people who made excuses, Jesus was talking about the children of Israel. Come on, all throughout the Old Testament, God was making preparations to have a relationship with Israel, but they kept choosing other gods before him, and they kept choosing to follow other men, and time and time again, God would redeem them and say, come on, I I want a relationship with you. I want to be with you. But they would make choices and they would make excuses for why they couldn't walk with him. And so Jesus is now sitting in the midst of Pharisees and Jewish people. And he's saying, well, since you rejected the father, now I have come for all people. Come on, I've come for the people that you overlook. I've come for the lame and the blind and the beggars. And, and the children of Israel and the Pharisees have a problem with that because they feel like, hey, we've been following you. Come on, we've been doing what God commanded us in the law. We've been trying to, we've been trying our best to keep up with all of the teachings and you would come and decide to go after these. But how many of you know, thank God that that happened because that means that you and I can be brought in because at one point or another, come on, you were the one who was broken. Come on, you were the one who was was lost. You were the one who was depressed, but God said, I see you and I'm bringing you in. And so if you are saved, God has went out and brought you into his home. And that is something that we should celebrate, but we don't get to stay the invited. Come on, we don't just get to stay a guest. I have a four-year-old son, and, and from time to time, one of his friends will come over and hang out and, and spend the night. And I love four-year-old boys because they think everything is awesome. Like you could literally do anything. You throw some pillows on the floor and they're like, it's a fort. And I'm like, it's a fort. Let's go. 
you get, we jump on the trampoline and we wrestle and they think I'm like the man. I'm like, hey, we're going to go in the backyard and here's what we're going to do. We're going to run and we're going to touch that fence and then we're going to run and we're going to touch this fence and we're going to do that five times and we're going to be like Power Rangers. They don't know that I'm trying to tire them out for bedtime. They think I'm the, I'm the red and I'm the blue and they're just pew, 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 pew. And so the, a few weeks ago, we had uh, one of Malachi's friends over and he, he spent the night and I'm telling you, we acted a fool. We ate ice cream like three times. We played video games. We wrestled. We jumped on the trampoline and, and it, it came the next morning and it was almost time for him to go home. And he was sitting at the kitchen table and he was just like, I just wish I lived here. <laughs> so then we had to have real talk. All right. I had to sit down and I'd be like, listen, listen, bro. Okay. Everything you just experienced, like this last day, uh, that's for guests, all right? That's, <laughs> I know you think Mr. Devin is awesome right now, but that's not how Mr. Devin is always, okay? You got about two or three more guest passes in the Cheatwood house before you come family. <laughs> and when you, when you become family, that means there's some trash that needs to be taken out. Come on, there's some dishes that need to be done. There's some rooms that need to be cleaned. So don't get it twisted and think that it's ice cream all the time. We do that some of the time, some of the time when you come over, but as soon as you leave, Malachi's about to start cleaning, okay? So you sure you still want to live over here? He's like, Oh, I was like, that's, that's what I thought. I'm going to call your mama. Come get you. All right. But how many of you know it's the same way for us? Come on, you get brought into God's house. So you may be visiting for the first few times right now, and we are so glad you are here. But as soon as you go through framework, oh, baby, there is some work for you to do. We have teams for you to jump on. We have space for you to serve in because we want to see you use your gifts and begin to bring other people and become a servant in the house of God. We don't get to just spectate, but we ultimately have to choose to live on a mission. We are the servants sent out by Jesus. Jesus to invite as many people into the kingdom as possible. But before we can invite, we have to make an introduction. And I have to be honest with you about introductions, okay? Introductions are a little bit hard for me for, for a lot of reasons, but I'm going to give you two real quick, all right? The first one is I'm a processor. So the worst thing you could do to me is to put me in a circle of people and go, okay, we're going to go around and we're going to say our name, first and last name, and we're going to say one interesting fact about ourselves. Go. Just feed me a glass sandwich, okay? I don't want, I don't want to do this because now I'm thinking about what I'm going to say, what's going to be interesting. I'm like, okay, I have eight siblings, but have I said that before? Do people know that? How many bones have I broken? What is something that is interesting about me? So I'm thinking the whole time of what I'm going to say. Now 10 people have talked. I'm expected to know all their names. I haven't listened to them at all because I've been thinking about what I want to say. So now afterwards, I'm like, tell me your name again. And it's just like introductions are not my thing, okay? Here's the second reason. It's because what I do for a living, all right? Because I'm in ministry. Now here, introductions are easy, okay? Because you came to my job, all right? <laughs> I work here, so it's easy for me to go, hey, my name's Devin, I'm a pastor here, because this is where I'm supposed to be. But at Walmart, that makes it a little awkward. I'll give you an example. Like a couple years ago, one of my good friends 
got married. We've been friends for 13, 14 years. I mean, we go way back to like when I had cornrows, okay? Yes, I used to have cornrows. No, you cannot see a picture, okay? You can, you cannot, but I used to have cornrows. And so she, she got married. And so me and Sydney decided, hey, we're going to go down and, and, and celebrate with them. And so she had a beautiful wedding and it was super fun. And people were having a little bit more fun than what I like to have. And so every conversation uh, goes about the same way when you're a pastor at a wedding reception, okay? So people, you know what I'm saying, they got their drink in their hand, and I'm not, I'm not judging because, you know, I grew up around literal, like, drug addicts, okay? So I'm not, I'm not mad that they're having a drink or two, okay? Now, when they spill it on me, I'm a little frustrated, but I'm just like, all right, step back, player, but... <laughs> They start to talk, and even the people that, I, that I've known, it's been seven, eight, nine years at this point since I've seen them, so I'm reintroducing myself to them. This isn't high school dev anymore, and so you know how it is. Small talk goes on for a little bit, and the question always comes up, like, so what do you do for a living? And it's at this point that I want to knock the drink out of their hand and just run out of the uh, <laughs> reception, but I don't do that. I'm like, uh, you know, man, I'm a... I'm a, I'm a youth pastor. And as soon as you say the word pastor, as soon as you say the word ministry, oh, they completely change up. They put their drink behind their back. Oh, blessed and highly favored, brother. That's so good. I'm so proud of you. Man, dude, you're making an impact. You know, I go to church over there on 25th Street. I've been going there all my life, man. I need to read my Bible more, I'll tell you that. And it's like the whole conversation has changed and so I've just been trying to think of like how is a way that I can not lie about what I do but I'm coming up with like different ways to say it and and we're joking about the reasons why I would avoid an introduction but each one of us as believers have reasons why we say you know what I I don't want to introduce myself to new people I don't want to invite people into what I'm doing because they may find it weird or they may think I'm this or they may think I'm that and so if we don't deal with that we'll go through life and we'll miss our opportunities to be servants who go out and invite people into the banquet that God has for them. And so today I want to talk about the three enemies of an introduction, the three enemies of an introduction. And before we jump into them, okay, I want to let you know I'm preaching this sermon for me. Okay. So if it happens to hit you in a certain way, that wasn't even my intentions. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Just, you know what I'm saying? Give it to God and and pray about it. It's going to be all right. Uh, But the first enemy of an introduction is this, it's, it's indifference. Indifference, and this is a dangerous place for us to be as believers because most of the time we think the opposite of love is hate. But can I tell you that the opposite of love is not hate? Come on, it's apathy and indifference. Come on, the contrast of the phrase I love you is I don't care. Listen, if you don't believe me, ladies, the next time you get in the car with your man and y'all getting ready to go somewhere, he leans over, he's like, Girl, where you want to go to eat? Just look back at him and go. I don't care. Now, if you say you don't care, you got to really not care, okay? Because when we start giving options, then you like, oh, I don't like that. I was like, I thought you didn't care, but obviously you do care. It's all good. I'm not speaking from personal experience at all. Fellas, if you don't think I don't care kills connection, the next time your wife wants to start talking about her day at 11.30 p.m. and start telling you about everything that's going on, why don't you just look deep into her eyes? I mean, like, through her soul and just go, I don't care. Go ahead and do that. And we're going to be doing your funeral next week. Okay. Because as believers, there is no room for indifference in our lives. 
the moment that we decided to follow Jesus, the moment that we stepped into the family of God, the moment that we put on the title Christian, we also decided that we are going to care about each and every person that we come in contact with because they are made in the image of God. And so we have to care. Come on. Love is the first fruit of the spirit. So we have to put that on. We don't get to choose to not love people. Colossians chapter three, verse 12 says this, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. There is no space in our lives for just not caring. We don't have space for dads who are uninterested in their kids. We don't have space for people who only care about a certain part of the church that they enjoy, but they don't care about anything else that we're doing. So we can't care about the services, but not care about the outreach. Like there's no space in our lives where we get to overlook people and go, somebody else will care about that. I'm not saying you have to care about everything, but you do have to care about people. We cannot be indifferent. I have to be honest about something. Can I be real about something in my own life that God has had to work with me on, okay? So I am from a small town. And so in small towns, you really don't have like a huge homeless population. So I was never around that a lot. But when I moved to Northwest Arkansas, I mean, it it felt like all the time I was seeing homeless people. And when I first moved here, it was like every one of them, I was moved to do something. I was moved to go get a meal or buy some gas or give some money or whatever. And then over time, if I'm just being honest, like you just get used to it. You get a little numb to it. And it's like, I'm just driving by one more person and one more person. And as I was preparing for this message, the last couple of weeks, God was like, okay, like I'm going to have to work on some of the things that you've been indifferent about. And so this past week, there was a young man who came and he was sitting under the awning and, and he was, he was homeless and he was waiting on the bus. And so, um, I had a lot that I had to do. I had, a, I had stuff that I needed to finish, but I went out there and I began to connect with him and began to talk to him and heard his story. And he told me how he had grown up in a foster home and then they adopted him, but then his parents got a divorce. And so that kind of led to an estranged relationship with them. And so now he's just trying to, he's just trying to figure it out. And so I was like, here's the deal. I don't, I don't have a lot, but I can take you to go get a meal. I can give you some food and we can go and I can bring you back and wait with you while you wait on the bus or whatever you need. And so I, I I took him to do that and began to speak to his purpose and begin to speak hope in him. And I'm not saying that so that you can be like, man, Devin's awesome Christian. Like I'm telling you that I've driven past a lot of people. I'm telling you that I've overlooked a lot of people, but in that moment, God began to remind me that in one moment that could be you. So let's be careful because we live in Northwest Arkansas and we, we have it all together and we look nice. Come on. We got the fresh fade. Come on. We got the good job with the 401k. We live in the suburbs. And even if you live in like the hood for Northwest Arkansas, I'm from Louisiana. I'm telling you, it gets worse. All right. So, so, so we don't have it bad. And when you don't have it bad, it's easy to overlook people. But don't forget that it's God that puts you in that situation. Don't forget that it's God is the one who sustains you. Because when we remember that it was God, then we see people made in God's image and we're able to have compassion for them and we're able to be moved. And so we're able to love people. And I want to ask you, when was the last time you were on your knees praying for somebody else's situation? Like when was the last time somebody else's life, like the things that were going on brought you to tears and brought you to to pray for them and to believe for them. But I won't invite people into God's house that I don't care about. And I won't make an introduction if I'm indifferent towards God's people. The second enemy of an introduction is irritation. 
Come on, irritation. I, I got I to gotta talk about this one because we are some of the most irritated people. Like, it don't take much to irritate you. And after a 30-minute conversation, I could pretty much tell you what irritates you because I'm going to hear about it, all right? I'm going to just let you know irritation 101. If I get behind you and I'm trying to get somewhere and you are driving five below the speed limit, I'm not a speedster. I'm okay if you go the speed limit. But don't go five below. If you're going to do anything, go five over. Like, if it's a 35, we all know it's really 40. Ain't nobody going to pull you over for going five over unless you're driving through Little Flock. Come on, this ain't Little Flock, baby. This is Rogers. Like, like drive five over. We're irritated. We're irritated by people. We're irritated by other people's decisions, other people's lives. We, we look at them and, and, and we, just get, we just get irritated. And I remember the summer after my freshman year of college, uh, your boy got scabies, okay? If you don't know what scabies are, it's like bed bugs. I don't know. Listen, <laughs> I don't know how I got them. All right, I just know I ended up with them. And it's not like people set you up to have scabies well, okay? I didn't know what it was. It was like I just was itching and so I was scratching for like three weeks. I was just like, oh, it itches and ah. And then my mom, because I'm a full-grown man, uh, set me up a doctor's appointment and made me go. She was like, you've been scratching yourself for three weeks. We need to figure out what's going on. And, and the doctor began to tell me, hey, man, you... You have scabies, and the thing about it is the more that you scratch, the more that it's going to be irritated, and the more that it's going to spread, and he was like, when it's hot and it's humid, it actually makes it worse, and I'm like, sir, we're in Louisiana, like, that's the only two things it is here, it's hot and humid, and so it, it's spreading, and for us as believers, every time you make a post on Facebook about the things that irritate you, all you're doing is scratching the itch. Every time you go on a rant about the things that you hate about people, all you're doing is scratching the itch. And can I tell you that they gave me this ointment that I put on and, and, it, and it healed my body. And I can tell you that you have to be careful about what you allow to irritate you because whenever God begins to irritate you about something, that's actually a moment for you to go, okay, how can I have an impact in this area? Come on, how can I have influence in this area? If I'm irritated about something, how is God wanting to use that to navigate me in a direction where I can make a difference? But see, we're irritated about stuff that we've actually never even took the, took the step to make, have a conversation with people. So you irritated at Democrats, but you never had dinner with one. You irritated with Republicans, but you've never sat across the table with one. And listen, I, I get it. It's hard. You have kids that you have to lead. And so we are very like protective over who we allow to speak into our kids' life because we're leading them in a certain direction because the Bible tells us that it's our job to lead them in the way that they should go. So I get it. You may not want to have people over to your house because you may feel like, man, what if they say something that influences my kid? But I, we can't be afraid to get stuff on us. Come on, we're walking in the light and we have to love people. And so you may need to invite a homosexual over to your house and sit down and begin a connection with them because you're irritated about something that you've never had a conversation with someone about. And, and so I'm not saying that it's not messy. I'm not saying that it might not, you know what I'm saying? You might do it one time and be like, whoo, we ain't never doing that again. But don't be so irritated that you don't have an impact. You get a choice. You can be irritated or you can be impactful. Just be honest. Fatherlessness irritates me. 
I grew up without my dad, it's irritating. I have friends who grew up without their dad, it's irritating. And I can tell you all the statistics of how when, when a culture doesn't have fathers, come on, there's more people getting thrown in jail. There's more crime that's happening. So I know all about the fatherlessness, okay? I could get on Facebook and just rant about it all day. Come on, I could go on a manhunt and look for deadbeat dads and tell them, buddy, you need to get it together. Do you see how intimidating this frame is? I mean, they would, they would change in an instant. I mean, that would solve all of our problems. Or you know what I could do? I could go and encourage the dads that I see who are crushing it. Come on, I could go and make investments in young people who I know don't have dads and begin to speak to their purpose and begin to speak about a God that loves them and sees them. But me being irritated is not going to move my assignment forward. When I respond out of irritation, come on, I speak harsh words from my heart that don't actually bring any help. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 1 says this, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Come on, if we are God's representatives, what are your words stirring up about God in other people's minds? Come on, what are the words that you're using? What are the posts that you're making? What are those things stirring up? And so I want you to ask God how what you're irritated about is an indicator to what you need to do. Come on, God, how do you want to use my irritation to move me into making an impact? The third, uh, the third enemy of an introduction is this. It's insecurity. Come on, insecurity is a lack of confidence. It's when we're unsure about ourselves. It's when we just don't know. Come on, I don't know what they're going to think about me. I don't know what they're going to say about me. I don't know if they're going to like me. And we can easily catastrophize in our minds everything that's going to happen if we go and make an introduction. Come on. If, if we go and invite them to church, they're going to hate us. They're going to trip my kid on the way home from the playground. Like they're going <laughs> to they're going to be mad at me because I brought up church. You know, that's just not something that you bring up. Our insecurities can easily move us out of our calling. I would take it a step further and say your insecurities are not just what makes you unsure about yourself, but it also shows you areas where you're unsure about God. When it shows you where you may not have as much trust in God as you thought, it shows you where you may not believe everything that the Bible says about God. Because if God is the maker of heaven and earth, come on, if God is victorious, come on, if God is the one, come on, who brings peace to the earth, if, if you are a son or a daughter of this God, then there is nothing that we should be afraid of. There is nothing that we should be insecure about. There is nothing that we should be hesitant in because we know if God is for me, then who can be against me? Come on, the God who can do anything created you. In Psalm chapter 139 verse 14, it says it like this, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. So you have to begin to know in your soul who God is and who he has called you to be. Because when you don't, you'll be like uh, the spies that Moses sent into the land of Canaan. And in the book of Numbers, he sends them and he's like, hey, God has already promised us this land. All I need you to do is to go and to look at it and to bring back a report. And so all of them come back except for two. And they say, hey, um, 10 of them are like, hey, it's great. It's awesome. But there's giants in the land and we can't go up and take it because we seem like grasshoppers to ourselves. And they think the same. They are making up what other people think about them. They didn't go up to them and ask them, hey, do you think I'm a grasshopper? No, their insecurities got the best of them. Except for two, we're like, yo, we know that God promised us this, but we're not too sure because now we see some opposition. But can I tell you, on the other side of your insecurities are the promises that God has given you. And he has so much more for you to step into if you'll overcome your insecurities. 
being honest, there's been moments in my life where, you know what, I was insecure and I just did it anyway. I was scared and I, I just did it anyway. I didn't know what the other side was going to look like, but I just believed, hey, God told me to do it. And the worst can, that can happen is somebody can tell me no, somebody can shut a door in my face. But at the end of the day, I'm going to be obedient to God. And so if you are struggling, you're like, hey, I, I've been a little insecure. Uh, we did a sermon series, Pastor Stephen led a sermon series in January, all about being confident. If you were on like a month long cruise or whatever, you missed the entire thing. I would encourage you to go back, listen to that, because we have to get to the place to where we're not insecure. Because where insecurity wins, that's where our calling begins to lose. We got to step in confidence and in boldness. So as we kind of um, wrap it up today, I was thinking about the, the power of inviting. Like we're talking about invited and um, the band, you guys can go ahead and come up. Obviously, I have my own story of being in high school and a friend reaching out and inviting me. And, and that invite changed my entire life. But I started to think about um, when I first became a youth pastor, right? We had like three kid, three teenagers show up on a Sunday and Pastor Stephen was like, yo, we got a youth ministry. And I was like, let's do it. We're going we to do it. And so we started this youth ministry. So every Sunday, like if you even look like a teenager, like I was going to, I was like, hey. We got a youth ministry Sunday nights. You need to be here. They're like, who's going to be there? I don't know. I know for sure I'm going to be here. I can't make any promises that anybody else is going to be here. Me and God, baby, me and God. <laughs> that's, that's who's going to be here. So I was inviting every person I saw. And one Sunday, four or five years ago, uh, Noah walks into our church for the first time. And I felt like God drew me to him. I felt like God was like, hey, go, go talk to him. Maybe it was God. Maybe it was the fact that we had like five kids showing up. So either one. <laughs> I felt called to, I felt impelled to go and talk to him. And man, isn't he awesome? He's up here playing guitar right now. Come on, right here. Hey, ladies, just so you know, he's single. So if you're looking, he's looking too. So. He's going to get so mad at me for doing that. But I, I saw something in him and so I could have been insecure. I could have been irritated. I could have been, I could have been indifferent. I could have just been like, hey, I don't, I don't feel like doing that. But I went up and I introduced myself. I said, hey, I, I lead our youth ministry here. I would love it if you came on Sunday night. And you know how teenagers do when a, when a new adult is talking to them. They just say, yeah, yeah, I'll be there. This man didn't show up. For months, every Sunday I saw him. Hey, man, I'm the youth leader. Hey, you should totally come on Sunday night, man. I think it would be awesome. And time after time, rejection after rejection. Finally, we had like this bowling thing going on. And so I was like, surely Noah is going to come to bowling. We're not going to do no worship. We're not going to talk about Jesus. We're just going to hang out. It's going to be awesome. And he came and uh, I kind of cornered him at that event. And I was like, man, I heard you play guitar. And I just want to let you know you're in our youth band now. I'm not asking you. I don't know what guitar you play, but just bring it with you. Be a little bit early. I know you've never been to a normal youth group, but just show up. And I believe that God wants to do something in your life. And over time, we began to see him develop and grow. And now Noah is playing on Sunday morning and he can lead AV and he's leading all of our youth ministry band. And so he's developing the next generation of worship leaders. Come on. There's been a hundred people who have made an investment in Noah's life. So I'm not saying like I'm the end all be all. But what I want to ask you is who 
is the next Noah that's going to be in this room in four or five years because you made an investment. Come on, who's that employee that you work with that you're going to introduce yourself to and you're going to bring them into all that God has for you? Come on, who's the neighbor that you have that you're going to take some time and be intentional with this week and say, you know what, hey, I've been praying and God really laid on my heart to come over and just invite you over for some dinner. See, I, I could have been indifferent, man. You don't want to come, then I don't want you to come. I could have been irritated. Trust me, since Noah's been around, I've been irritated. <laughs> as recently as like two weeks ago, okay? It's, been, <laughs> it's okay, I love it. But if we are so consumed with ourselves, if we are self-centered, then we miss out on what God wants to do in people's lives. And Jesus is not looking for servants that are looking out for their own interests. He's looking for servants who will say, you know what? As soon as you say go out and get the crippled in the lane, as soon as you ordered it, I'm going to go and do it. He's looking for those who will say, I know you sent me out once and I brought some people back. But if you want to send me again, I'm going to go again because I'm not too insecure. I'm not too indifferent. And I'm not too irritated by what's going on in the world that I don't see that I have everything I need to make the introduction and to leave an impact on people's lives. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.